And welcome on in to Dynasty Never Rest, a podcast focused on Dynasty fantasy football, trades, and awesome guest stars. This is the first show of many shows, and I am excited to introduce our first incredible guest, Jake Perry, or how a lot of you may know him as Jake from State Farm. So welcome. Thanks for having me, Zach. Yeah, me and Jake have connected on Twitter uh, quite a lot over the past year and and sort of developed a little bromance. And so we wanted to show the people that we've got that strong connection. We've got that um, Bears connection. And um, unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> and we're going to talk a lot of fantasy football. Um, if you haven't been paying attention, it is free agency right now and it's been a little weird in free agency um but free agency is never normal there's always some weird things that go on and happen and so we're gonna kind of talk about free agency first we're gonna we're gonna talk about bears free agency and kind of what we hope for what we appreciate about what they've signed thus far and then we'll kind of talk about the draft a little more and then i think we'll talk about uh just a couple of free agency signings that we've really thought were really good moves and some that were not such good contracts or not good team fits or whatever that is um so let's start it off who are two players in free agency that you want the Bears to target. Um, I'll let you start. You go on. I'll go on. You go on. Yeah, so I think the the number one kind of target for me right now, when, when I'm looking at the landscape of everything, um, obviously a lot of really talented players have already signed, and, and that dwindles the pool down a little bit. I think the Bears need to be looking at like a Trent Brown, you know, someone to shore up the offensive tackle position. You can play him at right tackle, or if you're confident in him, you know, playing a little bit of left tackle, you can move Tevin back over to right, you know, at his natural position. But I think you you have to solidify this offensive line. And ultimately, he's the best, in my opinion, the best remaining offensive lineman. You know, I think there's an argument for Dwayne Brown being up there, but he's older. Uh, Bradley Bozeman's up there as well. Um, so there's options there, but I like I like um, I like Trent Brown's versatility, and I like the fact that I think he could fit really well into this offensive line. You know, he's got you know a bit of a hard nosed play style at times, um, and I think he could fit the offensive line really really well and allow for a little bit of freedom elsewhere because I don't think he'll be drastically expensive. I don't think he's gonna pull like. You know, Brandon Scherf signed. He had a, a pretty solid contract go his way, three years, $49.5 million. I don't think Trent Brown's going to cost anywhere near that, but he's going to produce at a pretty decent level still. Yeah, I guess my first person was going to be Eric Fisher. Um, yeah. Because I I really think he's a quality-tier offensive lineman. It's a big need for the Bears, um, and... Um, he's not going to be the absolute top dollar, but I believe he will be worth every penny that he's paid, um, in this off season. That Colts offensive line has been dominant for the last two years, one healthy, and he's been a part of that. Um, so I would love to have him on the Chicago Bears just to give, uh, Montgomery some more help, give Fields some more protection and, 
just a really big need for the Bears is offensive line, as we both went offensive line first here. And so um, it's apparent that that is definitely a need for the Chicago Bears, and there's uh, plenty of guys that could fit that role, but I really think that Eric Fisher um, would be good with his uh, uh, familiar face in Matt Iberflus. Um, even though he was a defensive guy, Eric Fisher's offensive, but, um, just coming to a friendly face couldn't hurt him. Yeah. Plus with Fisher, you get a leadership component that, you know, it's definitely needed, especially when they're talking about the offensive line as a whole kind of needing an attitude adjustment. You know, he's, he's the type of guy who's going to come in, be no nonsense and really kind of, you know, get the offensive line in order if, if it's not already. So he, he'd be a very, very solid addition as well. Yeah, I, I think he would he would take Teron Armstead under his wing and 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 teach him a couple of things and and keep him online. And so I think that's a great point. Um, who's your second guy that you're kind of looking for the Bears to get? Yeah, for me, it's Juju. Um, he, he fits what this Bears offense needs. Obviously, this is a, a draft that I think is a little bit heavier uh when it comes to the wide receiver talent, a little more heavily focused on those guys who can be kind of a, a, a slot, but can also play outside. But I think Juju fits the opposite of what some of the other wide receivers in this, in this free agent class anyway, have been, you know, you look at like your DJ Chark, you look at your Allen Robinson guys who have histories of being deep threats um, and being, you know, contested catch guys at that with Allen Robinson, obviously he's not coming back. There's a, a soured relationship there. That's, you know, that ship has sailed and, you know, I think a lot of Bears fans don't even want him back, um, which is completely understandable after the last year that he had. Um, but I think with Juju, you get a guy, he, he's bigger bodied, but can play the slot really well. So he, he plays a, a, you know, a larger size out of the slot that, than, you know, you traditionally see. But he also will do whatever you need him to do. And that's what really is going to benefit this Bears offense and Justin Fields is getting a guy who can, you know, get down and dirty, get open in the middle of the field and just sit on routes. You know, you have Mooney who kind of fits that Mooney and DJ Chark were very similar. So that's why I was really hoping we weren't going to sign DJ Chark. Um, You know, Mooney's more of a deep threat guy. You know, he's got some suspicious hands at times that he definitely needs to to work on. Um, But he's a guy who, you got to let him play in space and you need a guy like Juju who's just going to be willing to sit in the middle of the field and just take what's given to him. And and that's what I think this Bears offense was really missing last year is too many guys were trying to do too much when they were on the field. Um, and that's coupled with the fact that there were many injuries amongst this team and, and guys weren't playing their roles properly as is. Yeah, definitely. Juju's um, kind of at the top of my list as well. He just... Um, I think it'd be really good for Fields to have a short area target who can he can hit over in the middle um, versus Mooney, who's going to be more that that deep threat, come down with the ball receiver. Um, Juju would definitely pair nicely. Um, and I really, really wanted the Bears to get J.C. Jackson. Um, Didn't we all? <laughs> Um, so I, I would like them to sign a free agent cornerback. I would honestly love to have Bryce Callahan back. Um, he was phenomenal on the bears when he was on the bears, when he was with the Broncos, 
Um, he was very good as well. Um, just getting another cornerback in this system um, would be really good um, because we, we really just have the one guy and um, we need to be able to cover both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And, and with one suitable cornerback on the roster, it just doesn't happen. And so, and if the Packers sign, let's say the Packers get Allen Robinson, then mm. then we need a, a second cornerback just j- just handle within the division, right. uh, let alone all our other opponents. Yeah, with Callahan too, I mean – that that kind of slot nickel corner was our it was our worst position last year on defense by a pretty substantial amount um so any improvement you know made to that that spot in the field uh this draft it's heavy in corner talent in my opinion as well there's a lot of guys who can play really really you know really really solid corner i think at the next level and it allows you to kind of shift your focus from you know, just grabbing anybody to getting a guy that, you know, you know, the front office, obviously there's been a lot of turnover, but ownership knows him that we've seen him here before. He's a familiar face for a lot of fans. And while fans didn't love him a a ton when they were here, I think they've seen how bad it can be and realized that it really wasn't that bad when, when he was out there for us. Absolutely. And I, I think we let him go because of, of the price tag that, that he was looking for but now that he's a little older and and hasn't been putting up quite the numbers he was in chicago maybe mm-hmm. we can get a cheaper price tag on a on a very good player yeah let's hope so he'd be a nice improvement for us yes all right let's move on to the bears that year the draft and kind of who you're looking to acquire in the draft and i'll actually start this one off um and i'll say i would love to have george pickens um i know he's got some off the field issues but i think he is one of the most talented wide receivers in this draft and i don't know that we'll have to trade up for him i think he'll fall to the second round and we'll be able to snag him there um even if we do grab juju in in free agency or a guy like that, I would still love to have Pickens. Um, would be great to have three wide receivers who, who can get open and, and catch the ball. And Pickens is without the off the field issues. I think he would, he would be a day one pick. Um, but just some of the off the field and injuries and, um, just plummeting his draft stock, but I would love to have him. Yeah, he's a really, a really solid option, especially because, you know, you don't have to reach for him in the second, um, like you're saying, you know, especially now that we've added that second pick in the second, you know, he, he's definitely a guy that you have to look at. He's got enough athleticism that you can throw him out at the X. You can throw Juju in the slot if you if we end up signing him and then you let Mooney play the Z, you know, it, it sets up really well. And I think that could be a really productive offense. And and while I don't love Pickens, like he's not my favorite wide receiver in this class by any means, but I think he fits the Bears' offensive needs really, really, really well. And he ends up being one of those guys that you kind of see, you know, originally I wouldn't be super interested, but purely from a team fit perspective, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Steve, we're really looking forward to what um, Poles does in this draft as well. Uh, Ryan Pace has uh, burned us pretty good, and so we're looking for a 
for a solid um, drafting from our new GM. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's It'll be nice to hopefully hit on an early pick in the draft for once. Not pray that our six rounders turn into pro bowlers, you know? <laughs> yeah. So who's your first guy here? Uh, for me, it's Zion Johnson, um, offensive lineman out of Boston College. I like him a lot. You know, he's he's fits that kind of mold I was talking about earlier. You know, a guy who's got some versatility. You know, he could play inside. Um, I, I project him, you know, at the next level, probably being most effective as a guard. Um, I've seen some teams, uh, you know, be interested in him as a center. Um, I don't remember if he's played a ton of center or not, but I know at the senior bowl he was working on, um, working on his snaps and working on his usage there. Um, but he's a guy who's got a really good motor, you know, high technique guy, good hands, you know, a lot of potential. He's, you know, a little inexperienced, a little raw, um, you know, his instincts, his football IQ isn't perfect by any means. Um, but he's a guy that I, again, you don't have to reach for him. He's going to more than likely be there in the second at either 39 or 48. Um, uh, and he's going to, he's going to be a, a big improvement over what we've seen. Even if you put him at center, if that's what you decide his position is, it's not hard to be an upgrade from Sam Mustafer. And ultimately being, <laughs> being able to get a guy like him early, you know, if you're able to pull both Pickens and Zion in the second, I think that's as good as you could ask a, a second round to, to turn out for the bears. Yeah, it definitely would be a great one, two punch there. Just uh, grabbing Zion and Pickens. Um, the guy I am hoping would fall to the second to the bears would be boy Mace. Um, with Khalil Mack gone, I think we need another edge rusher, um, and would love to have a young guy, um, in the system because Robert Quinn is 31 years old. And, and so even if he, he serves out his tenure and, and serves it well, um, it'd be nice to have a young guy who can learn from the veteran and, and get some pressure on the other side, because as of right now, um, I don't feel super confident in Gibson, although he did um, show some promise last year. It would just be nice to get that that second edge rusher in there. Yeah, I agree. Luckily, this is a deep draft at the position. So even if you don't get him, you know, there, there's different targets that you can have at the spot. But I agree. Obviously, with Mac being gone, you know, you have Robert Quinn if you don't trade him, uh, you know, his contract is movable. It's not like a, it's not complete dead weight. Um, I don't remember what his dead cap hit is off the top of my head, but it's nothing crazy. It's not there. I believe there is cap savings if you move him overall. So, you know, you could get out from out from under that contract if you want to, but even so you could have him be the guy in house where you're going to have him teach Gibson. You're going to have him teach, uh, you know, if you, if you get another guy in there, um, but it's definitely going to be a position of need moving forward. And I think, I think the Bears go a little bit heavier on the offense in this draft early just because there it is such a deep position. You know, the defensive back is pretty deep. Linebacker is pretty deep. Um, you know, the, the edge players are, are pretty deep in this class, in my opinion. So I think, you know, there's a few different ways that the Bears could go, but but your target there is definitely definitely one I could see them going for. Absolutely. We want to surround field super well, but – I feel if maybe we pull an offensive lineman and a wide receiver in free agency here, then maybe it, it's definitely a possibility. And maybe we don't get a wide receiver or we don't get that offensive lineman in free agency 
and and they use that second round just to protect and serve Justin Fields, which I'm totally okay with because you want to set up your your young stud QB with a bunch of weapons and protection. Exactly. Um, the second guy for me, um, there's a few different ways that you could go about this. Um, I'm going to probably go with wide receiver again. Um, and it's going to be a guy who, from a fantasy perspective, I'm pretty much out on. I'm, I'm probably going to have 0% roster ship of him. But uh-huh. it's Christian Watson. He's a guy okay. who kind of fits what you're talking about again, where he's a big athletic guy who can play him. He can play on him by himself on his own side of the field. He's, you know, he can run pretty much any route that you need him to. He's not a perfect route runner by any means. He's got some concerns come, you know, being a, a non early declare coming out of, you know, a lower level of competition, but he's a guy that again, kind of fits the team need really, really well. And he's risen up draft boards now. So you, maybe you're, you're looking at him in the second there. Um, but also, you know, this is a, a deep class when it comes to like big, fast wide receivers for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. you have him, you have Alec Pierce, you have uh, he, this David Bell fits the big side of the things, but not the fast side of the things per yeah. se, even though his play speed is, is clearly faster than, than his 40 time is. Right. You know, uh, but again, you and I are on the same page here. What's that kind of archetype of, of that big athletic receiver who can play on an island by himself? That's really what you need in this offense. Assuming you, you lock up the slot position with a, with a Juju or you know a Jamison Crowder or something to that level. Uh-huh. Absolutely. All right, so let's highlight our least favorite signing in free agency and our favorite signing. Um, our least favorite might match up here, but I'll let you go first, and, and you can... Yeah. Share who it um, is. So my least favorite signing. I'm gonna approach this from a uh, least favorite in that I wish my team could have gotten him least okay. favorite signing, and that's, okay. Bra- that's Brandon Scherf. Um, he, he's the best offensive lineman available in my opinion. I would prefer him to Teron Armstead. Um, you know, he got a really great deal with Jacksonville. That's a, a ton of money to pay a guard, um, but he, he's worth every penny. The man knows how to play football. And he was really a guy that I've been trying to get the, I've been like trying to speak it into existence that the bears end up with him either via trade or free agency for a few years now. Um, but he's a guy that I think just really, really well could fit a lot of teams. Um, and that's why he's my least favorite is because I wish he was on my team. Now, if we're talking about least favorite in terms of like the signing just doesn't make sense to me, it's Zay Jones. Like, I feel like that's a lot of money to pay a guy who hasn't done a whole lot, given he's had injury concerns or injury issues that he's dealt with. He, I do think he is a talented wide receiver. I just don't see the connection of where that money makes sense for what he's done so far and what you project out of him, given his age. Right. And he was, he was just a free agent. What last year or two years ago, like yeah. just unclaimed and sitting there so yeah, I don't think Zay Jones' contract was warranted, and uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a teammate of his who also got a contract that I don't think was warranted, and that is Christian Kirk. And I know that that you kind of like Christian Kirk, but I know you're reasonable enough that Christian Kirk's eighty-four million dollar contract is absurd. Uh, well, I think it's. Is it 84? Did they, did the real number come out at 72? Either way. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's, but, but it's 72, uh, with the chance with of incentives 84. for 84. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's a lot, but also there's a few things that come into play here. One, arguably the best wide receiver available. Um, you know, you could make an argument that Allen Robinson is better, but really, given that Chark has been hurt, given that Juju's been hurt, I think I think Kirk's the best wide receiver available in free agency, not counting like, you know, Devonta Smith. Uh, or Devonte Devonte Smith, Devonte Adams. You know he didn't get to free agency. He would have been by far. You know you see what Michael Gallup signed for. You'd like I'd much rather pay that contract. But also Gallup has injury concerns that you're dealing with. With Christian Kirk too, he's going to Jacksonville. Jacksonville inherently is gonna have to overpay, right? It's not a hotspot NFL destination. It's not you know Jacksonville, Florida is great and all, but it's not like a it's not a Las Vegas. It's not a Dallas. It's not a Chicago. It's not a New York, right? It's just a lesser tier city. And just they've been in such organizational disarray for a few years now that you're going to inherently have to pay extra to get some of these guys. And especially when you get a guy like Scherf on a, a, what I consider to be a, a, like a cheap deal for him, like overall, I think his position get, you know, that's arguably a little bit of an underpay for him, in my opinion. You know, you get to spend a little bit more on your wide receiver core. And the contracts are really set up to, after 2023, you know, it's it's not a wash, but it's it's low cap hits after 2023. So if it doesn't work out after a couple of years, they can cut bait. And, and, you know, he got to say that he signed an 80, you know, an $84 million <laughs> contract one time, but not all of that's going to even end up getting paid out. So while I agree with you and I I totally understand where you're coming from with it. I also see where Jacksonville had to offer a deal like that. Yeah. And, and I kind of understand it, but Kirk hasn't had an a thousand yard season. I mean, I mean, offer that to, to Juju or at that point, just keep Chark. Like, I, I don't think Christian Kirk is, is astronomically better than, than Chark is. And so, um, I think Kirk can... offers you a different skill set than Chark. I think absolutely you know, Kirk can Kirk's a little more flexible. He can play inside. He can play outside. Whereas with Chark, you basically have him as an outside only guy who's running go routes and post routes, and you're hoping he gets open. Like he's not gonna like Kirk can win on slants. He can win on ins, outs, digs, curls. Like he can do a little bit of everything. He's fast enough to succeed if you need him to run a slant or a poster, or, you know, anything like that. Um, and I think Kirk just gives you a little bit more flexibility. I too am confused why they didn't keep DJ Chark, especially after when they, especially after them signing Zay Jones. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I have to think that Chark just didn't want to be in Jacksonville anymore. Like that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. All right, we got a question from um, the chat, which was worse: the Zay Jones signing of 2022 or Kendrick Bourne 2021? I feel like. I don't know. I feel like Kendrick Bourne at least like rationalized it, like made it worth it a little bit. I think he went for like 55, 805 this year. So like, that's a pretty reasonable stat line. Obviously you have to pay a little bit of like extra money. Yeah. He probably, it probably wasn't a warranted contract, but I don't think it's as bad as Zay Jones. Like what is Zay Jones? Like, Zay Jones but, has a lot of potential, but I, I don't think he's shown anything to be worth that level of contract. Like this, this was arguably 
not even really arguably, this is the best season in his career since his 2018 season. Um, and, and it was 47 receptions for 546 yards and a touchdown. I don't see a world where that's worth thir- up to 30 million. Yeah, I, I mean, but I feel like we had that same perspective with the Kendrick Bourne. Like, we saw the Aguilar signing, and we were like, that's too much, but it's okay. And then the Kendrick Bourne came in, and we were like, um, Bill Belichick, what are you doing? And so that, that feels sort of similar here. Like, there's uh, Zay Jones has not earned that contract. It's not warranted, but... But could we see him do some something similar to Kendrick Bourne and take a step forward? Um, oh yeah, definitely. He's got the athleticism to do it. It's just a matter of you know staying on the field. And if he can do that, I, I think he can be an effective weapon. But this offense has become really clogged really quick. You have Visca still. You have Chark now. You have Marvin Jones under contract. You have Etn. You have maybe J. Rob if he's healthy. You have Zay Jones. Like you, you have you have Dan Arnold, Evan Ingram. Like you have six, seven or eight legit guys there. I, I, I'm. That's my worry. Is that it's just going to be con- so spread out? Yeah, none of these contracts are going to be end, end up being quote unquote worth it. If if there was a quantifiable way to do that right, where you could be like this much money equals this much production, um, I don't I don't think many of them are going to get to a point where you're confident and you look at it and you go that wasn't a terrible idea, like you know the two tight ends make sense right. Peterson has run some of the most uh, twelve personnel uh, in his in his last few years as a head coach. Um, given a lot of that was when he had Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, two extremely talented tight ends in their own right. Um, well, but- it was. It was Zach Ertz and Trey Burton for yeah. for most of that regime, and then he he was the one who drafted Goddard, but really didn't get to see him flourish. Yeah, but either way, like you know, so from that aspect, makes it makes sense. But you have four wide receivers now that are under either you know a decent contract because you drafted them pretty high in Visca or free agent contracts. Obviously, yeah, you're stuck with Marvin Jones a little bit because that was an Urban Meyer signing. But mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to to a lot of talent spreading around that football field. It's going to be interesting to see how the production really breaks down there because there is so much going on. And maybe yeah. that's also why I don't we don't love these contracts. Is it's like there is so much money being thrown at this offense right now that it's like which of the signings is going to work out? Because inevitably you've signed four guys like something's not going to work out Mm -hmm. yeah it just from from the outside looking in it's just we have some question marks for the jacks for sure um who is your favorite signing um in free agency here uh just because of the story behind it i'm gonna say randy gregory to the broncos (laughs) Yeah, I, I like that's just so Jerry Jones is just like, yeah, we're going to con- the Browns made you a great offer. We got it. You know what? We're going to beat you. We're going to beat that offer from them. And then they get to the table and they're like, well, you see, actually. And then the Browns are just waiting over here. Just come on, Randy. Come on. <laughs> we're ready for you. And he says, you know what? I'll take five years and 70 million from from them instead. So, I mean, that for me, that's got to be my favorite. That and just because he's a, a kind of a personal 
favorite of mine, uh, James Daniel to the Steelers. You know, just a he's a good guy. You know, he he did everything he could for this Bears team for for quite a few years. Consistently graded out as like a top twenty guard on PFF. So you know, just I'm happy for him to to get a good deal somewhere. Wish it was still here, but unfortunately, it's with the Steelers. Yeah, um, I would have to say my favorite signing in for agency was Hassan Reddick. I think that the Eagles got him um, a lot cheaper than they should have. Three years, $45 million for a guy who has been phenomenal the past two years when healthy. And so I just think that um, he was a big need for the Eagles, and they got a discount on him. Um, and the Eagles are sitting in a really good place because they got a – a really solid linebacker here. They've got three first-round picks, and, and they still got a little cap room to work with. And so, um, yeah, I I was shocked when I saw that contract. I was like, that could end up being the best deal in free agency. Um, another question from the audience, which is the best value for fantasy? Um, for me... I actually think that it's Chase Edmonds. Um, he goes from a shared backfield to where he was basically the third down back into a starting role, figuring that he's going to be the lead back. And I'm not projecting him to be a workhorse, but I do project him to have 200-plus touches 250 somewhere around that threshold and in that uh dolphins offense um hatched from the kyle shanahan offense i am really excited to see how they can use chase edmonds very well um and i just think from being the second fiddle on a team to being the first fiddle on what's going to be a run heavy offense. Yeah. I, uh, I like the Edmonds signing there. Um, obviously, you know, there's still questions about how much of a role does Gaskin still play given it's a, you know, it's, it's a new head coach. So do they even care that he's there? Like that kind of thing. It's going to throw things off a little bit. Um, Absolutely. For me, it's actually James Conner. Um, you know, (laughs) He's, you know, he went from sharing a backfield with Chase Edmonds to taking over that backfield. Obviously, Edmonds had a couple of good games once he came back, but you know that was really the Chase Edmonds show or the James Conner show. Like we saw him really take off. Obviously, a lot of it was touchdown dependent, but we know James Conner can catch passes. We saw him do it in Pittsburgh. We've seen him, t- you know, carry a workhorse level role. And he, his competition is who? Eno Benjamin. Like I'm. He's going to, like, James Conner, unless they bring in another back, is going to be that 275 to 325 touches, you know, a year moving forward. And he's still a value. Like, I just got him in the startup in, like, the 12th round. Like, he, he's, even in, in Dynasty, he's a value. But I think in redraft, he's still going to be a guy where it's like, if you go zero RB earlier, you go, like, hero RB, and you're looking for something around, like, rounds, you know, 8, 9, 10, that's where, you know, James Conner really starts to look at a value here. Um, uh, we got, we got a, a kind of the same question is which would we prefer in, in PPR redraft? I, honestly, for me, it's Connor. You know, I, we've seen Connor get a workhorse workload. We've seen him catch passes. We've seen him be the goal line back. There's enough question marks with Edmonds there that 
I'm just not 100% convinced. And I don't think ultimately that McDaniel's going to run the same offense that was ran in San Francisco. I think it's going to be modified to an extent. And I, I don't imagine they're going to run anywhere near the same, uh, especially with the offensive line. Like the reason San Francisco is so good at their scheme is their offensive line is off the charts. And Miami's not in that situation yet. They've made a couple moves to get closer to that, but it's going to take a year or so before you know they could even pull off that same style of offense that they did in San Francisco. So it's James Conner for me. Yeah, for me, it's probably Connor as well, even though I am a big Edmonds guy. Um, I just think that Connor is going to be guaranteed for that 275-300 touches horse backfield, and I think that 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 will just be a better value. Um, He showed what he could do last year i think part of the issue why connor is still going late is because he does have injury concerns and um and not to say that Edmonds does not have injury concerns but i think that people have just been burned with with connor a little bit in terms of injury and so they are hesitant to pull the trigger because like last year part of the reason why people didn't kind of respect him in that backfield was because the year before he had had the backfield all to himself, but he, he would play, you know, 20% of the snaps then leave with an injury, then miss five weeks and then come back and, and do the same thing. And so I, I think Connor is, is the better pick. Um, But I do think that they both rise significantly in startups um, as they've both signed these these good contracts and are going to be lead backs without having to compete with one another. Yeah, this was the best possible situation for both of them. They both they both have a, a slight value increase in my opinion. All right, so let us move on to kind of our main topic of the day, and it's dynasty startup strategy. Um, me and Jake have done two startups this offseason together. Um, I've only been in three startups, so I'm actually doing pretty good for myself. Um, last off season, I think I had done, I don't know, seven or eight by this point in time. So I'm trying to keep it, keep it minimal because it is a lot of fun and building the strategy and trading in a slow draft and all that stuff just it's really entertaining and it's really fun to just uh, get to negotiate with people to get to um, get people to fall to you or move back in the draft and different things like that. And so it just, it's a lot of fun. And so we kind of wanted to talk about it. And so a couple questions I have here is kind of what is your personal philosophy when you begin a startup? Like before everything before the actual draft starts like do you go in with a strategy do you just kind of um just kind of see how the board falls or like i know at one point you had mentioned that you typically um try to go in with hero rb yeah so yeah hero rb has definitely been um something that i've been doing a a little bit more frequently and and i but i think a lot of that is because 
This year, I've really tried to focus on going into drafts with no strategy, and Hero RB just kind of ends up being what I what I do, you know. Especially in you know in a lot of leagues, we're seeing stuff like um, you know we're having players who, you know, the first five guys off the board are typically quarterback. Occasionally, you see Jonathan Taylor sprinkled in there a little bit, and then you get a couple more quarterbacks, and then your Jefferson and Chase come off the board, maybe Pitts. So then you're getting to the turn and right in the second round there, I don't like going quarterback, quarterback. It's just not my preferred strategy in Superflex. I think there's a lot of value if you wait on the, on the QB2 role. Um, and, and so you're getting to, you know, your mid second. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, in this situation, I'm picking like middle of the first, middle of the second. I'm probably going QB middle of the first, assuming one of the guys in my top tiers. Uh, I, I have really two top, two tiers at the top. As long as one of the guys, the quarterbacks is there, I'm probably going that early. Um, and then on the turn there, I'm able to get a, a Swift, an Eckler, a Najee, like some running back falls. And then from there on, you know, especially once a couple of running backs go early, people start typically to panic a little bit. So you start to see a lot of running backs come off the board and then suddenly you're getting Devontae Adams in the fourth round or you're getting, you know, wide receiver just becomes a value where it's like you're getting a top guy a few rounds later than you probably should. So that's just really been what I've seen happen a lot recently. Um, but also I'm not afraid to trade back in a startup. I'm also not afraid to trade up in a startup. And, th- and that's why I really like going in with no set idea, right? If I know that I'm going in and I'm going to go robust RB early, if I'm going to draft as many RBs as I can, especially the top tier, I'm going in there just fully accepting that I'm giving up future draft capital to move forward. I'm giving up startup capital to move forward. Um, you know, because I need to, I need to get myself four or five legit running backs just because there is so much injury concern there. Whereas, you know, in the more recent startups, I'm getting, you know, my, my guy early, uh, later in the draft, you know, Zeke has been falling like crazy. I'm getting Zeke in the ninth. I'm getting, um, you know, I'm picking up guys later, even later than that, like your James Conner, like your Devin Singletary, Rashad Penny. Like there's, there's so much value at running back later, especially because it is such a fickle position that I think if you get your, your one really good running back early, you can really fill in the rest of your roster through the middle rounds there. And it just allows you to have a little bit more well-rounded of a team. Yeah. I try also not to go in with the strategy um, just because that locks you in. So like, say you want to go robust RB and you are sitting on the one, two turn and both Jefferson and Chase fall to you there. How do you not pull the trigger on both those guys? Oh yeah, right there. Uh, if you go in with a set strategy, you're basically bypassing some value. 100%. And so, and so like the two startups that we did, like I didn't intend going robust RB, um, but it just kind of happened for yeah. me. It was it was kind of insane. Like I I. I started off with a QB. I started off with Lamar Jackson, and then I ended up getting like four, four or five 24 to 26 year old running backs. So I got Dalvin Cook. I got um, Nick Chubb. I got um, David Montgomery. I got um, just a handful of these guys. J.K. Dobbins. That just that sit in that two to five range 
um, but they just kept falling and falling and falling. So I ended up getting like five of the top 15 RBs that I would consider in Dynasty. And and, and I got Derrick Henry, I think, in the this six seven turn yeah. in one of the drafts. It's just like that that running back hill people are so afraid of right now that people are going more hero RB. And and so those middle rounds for me, you know, I traded up to get some of those running backs just because I was like, why is, why is David Montgomery here in the fifth, fifth round? I don't think he should be. And so I went up and got him, but I'm totally okay with not going robust RB, but it was just kind of how the cards fell to me, you know? It was just like, yeah, I'll pull the trigger on David Montgomery and J.K. Dobbins and and Nick Chubb and you know. And so, my best advice would be just to don't walk in with a set strategy yeah. because you are going to miss value, and it's it's super important not to do that because you, you want to pick the best player available and and that differs person to person because Jake could be preferring a wide receiver um, over how I value a certain running back. Like Jake is a known Dalvin cook um, hater. (laughs) And so like Dalvin cook in the fifth round isn't as maybe, you know, if it's Dalvin cook versus, um, let's say Terry McLaurin. Um, oh, you got to pick another guy. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I didn't know you hated Terry. Um, DJ Moore. Yeah, you're you're gonna pick DJ Moore there every time, right? Yeah. So that's actually a perfect example. Um, a startup that I'm currently in. Dalvin Cook went one pick before DJ Moore, and if I was on the board where Dalvin Cook would, I would have taken DJ Moore. There's a pretty good chance I would have taken Elijah Moore over him. Uh, and I probably would have taken Stefan Diggs, who was still on the board over him as well. Like, but here's my argument for why that's okay, right? Dalvin Cook, yes, we know how great he can be. He's coming off of a year where he's been hurt. He was, you know, knocked up a little bit. Um, he was knocked out of a few games. He missed missed some games here and there. I think with COVID, I think he missed a game or two with COVID as well, um, if I'm not mistaken. But you have guys like Leonard Fournette, who's was PPR running back six last year. And he's going in the ninth round. You have Zeke, who's going in the eighth round. Aaron Jones is going in the eighth round. Josh Jacobs is going in the seventh round. Like, I can wait a little bit on running backs. There isn't the the tier disparity with running backs as there is with wide receivers. With running backs, you have your, you know, you have your probably your tier that I would consider like CMC, Taylor, Najee, Swift, like kind of as your top tier there. And then you have your middle, but like all of your middle tiers from like running back five to running back 24, call it, you know, your top, your top two, your you know top two tiers of running backs there. The only reason the tiers are really dropping there is because you're just starting to lose kind of that pass catching upside, especially in PPR as you get down like good floor, like your Damian Harris is good floor. Not a lot of pass catching. Um, you know, you're, 
Monty until this year really was, you know, same kind of deal. Not a, a great rushing floor. You know, he's going to get, you know, 15, 20 carries a game, but he may not get the passing work. And so that's the only real reason that those tiers start to fall. So if you see any uptick in passing in those later round guys, you're starting to, you know, automatically get some extra return on your value there. Whereas with the wide receivers, you know, in wide in rounds two, three, four, you're looking at your, you know, your AJ Browns through your your Stephon Diggs, your your Godwins are in there a little bit. But you start to get to round seven and you see a pretty stark drop where your guys like, you know, your your Darnell Mooney, your Mike Williams, your Chase Claypool that have a ton of questions or a target competition or whatever it is. You know, I'd rather target some of those wide receivers early just because I can get some potential return on those running backs a little bit later. Which and, and this all should be noted too. This is almost the exact opposite mindset that I had drafting in 2020. When I was drafting over the past two years, I've, I was the guy who was going running back heavy. I have so much Josh Jacobs in redraft last year just because everybody was fading him. Like I've so, I had so much Josh Jacobs. I had so much Miles Sanders just because like, oh, he's a running back. Like he could walk into a starting, like into an elite position really, really easily. And like those kind of picks ended up hurting me just because wide receivers that went in the same range, you know, especially in redraft last year, that was your Debo's. That was your, you know, it was guys in that range that just your blew Cooper up. Cups. Yeah. Like it was guys that like be, I passed on those guys to take a running back just because they were a running back because mm-hmm. I was going in with two set of a strategy, which is why mm-hmm. I fully advocate now for just letting the board fall. Like I, I traded out of my first four picks. I was picking out of the one oh one. I didn't pick it one oh one. 212, 301, or 412. Like, I completely traded out because there's just value to be gained by moving back there. And, you know, I still end up with Kyler, Mixon, Godwin, Pittman. Like, I still have a really good team, a team that I'm very, very happy with. And I just, I didn't have to make those sacrifices early of passing on a, a guy that I think could elevate to to another tier, whereas the running backs are a little bit more kind of in their, in their tiers. So... Where is your ideal spot? So if you're in a derby draft, and what a derby is, is you basically have a randomized order, but you get to pick where you choose in the draft. And so if I'm the first derby pick, or if you're the first derby pick, what's your selection? I typically like picking out of the three spot, especially in Superflex, because I know that I'm getting one of Allen, Mahomes, or Herbert, if I'm feeling like if I'm going into the draft and I, you know, typically you're going to end up with Herbert there. If I'm like, especially recently, I've had a lot of Herbert, right? So at that 103, I can move back to like one six, add a future second or a future first or, you know, a future pick there. Still get one of those top tiers of um, quarterbacks, but I still stay in where I feel like at the three spot, I avoid a lot of tear breaks which is the only reason I, I say I don't like picking in like the six, seven spot, which is where six, seven, I think in kind of the first three or four rounds of the draft is kind of the sweet spot where you're getting really good value at a lot of, at a lot of spots. But later on in the draft, I feel like I hit a lot of tier breaks there where it's like, I'm reaching for a guy who's at the height of a next tier or like, there's just so much, it could go either way on the pick that I just try and avoid. Whereas like, if I'm picking out of the three, like the board typically falls in my favor when I'm picking out of the three and it's never too hard of a choice. And especially if I'm picking on one of the ends, like the one or the 12, I hate that just as a, as a drafter, it's like you make two picks and you you don't look at the board for a day and a half. Right. Like, and and that just gets boring. But I I think three is probably, you know, that three, four spot even is probably my preferred area to pick. Yeah. Um, 
my preferred area to pick is probably the 107 or 108 or the 7 or 8 because you still hit on that elite quarterback um, in most drafts because Jonathan Taylor goes in the first five picks in Superflex. Um, you usually sneak in a, a, a Pitts, a Jefferson, or a Chase in there. And so I've been getting a lot of – I've been seeing a lot of Lamar Jackson going yeah. at the eighth pick. And, and, you know, I love getting Lamar Jackson at the eighth pick. Like, it's not a tier break, in my right. opinion, from Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. And uh, while I would prefer Josh Allen, um, it's they're still in that same caliber, um, and so and then you turn around and and you have an opportunity depending how the board falls to maybe get a Najee or get DeAndre Swift or um, or McCaffrey even right. Um, see, but that's the perk of the three three and four picks because like McCaffrey has been falling so far that. You know, I got him in the third round in one of our startups, and I just, I was so excited about that. Um, just because when he is on the field, he's just the best fantasy asset. And, um, but I, I feel differently about when you get down into the draft um, and you, you feel like you hit those tier breaks. I really like where I sit because. I get those those high producing wide receivers um, after after I've gone um, running back if it's fallen to me that way. There are still guys that I absolutely believe in, even though there's a little question mark. Like Darno Mooney, the guy had a hundred, you know, twenty plus targets and and was pretty efficient on those targets last season. Um, Alan Robinson is a guy that kind of goes in that range and he could be a top 12 wide receiver this season. Yeah. Like he, he obviously didn't care to play football last year. You could see it in the way he ran his routes. And if you watch the bears play football, you saw that he didn't want to play bears football anymore. Um, uh, Mike Williams is a guy in that range who's, who had a phenomenal start to last season and and um, he did jet off a little and, and lose some value there. But um, Brandon Cooks is in that range. Mike Evans sometimes falls in that range. And so um, I feel like you can really, really hit some solid value uh, there in the later, later rounds where uh, these – Again, these Hill players, these veterans, Brandon Cook, um, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, you know, these players that that are 28 years old and people are just giving up on them. And Brandon Cook has, and Mike Evans have been two of the most consistent fantasy players in the last, you know, seven years, you know. You know, every year they produce a thousand yards and whatever. And so, um, but I feel like when I'm on the other end of that draft, they go right on that, that eight, eight turn. And so I like to be in the back half, but if I can get to the one Oh one 
and trade back. Like if I pick the 101 and I can trade back to the eight and get a couple additional picks along with that, that's sort of like my real ideal. Just, you know, if I can trade the 101 and, and get a third round pick, um, trading back to the 108, I would absolutely do it in a heartbeat. And, and that's, that's an incredible value there. Um, when you play with a bunch of, you know, Twitter analysts and people like that, they're not so into that. Um, but when you play in some of those casual leagues, you can pull some of that off and, and, and your depth and just your starting roster looks so good when they go up and take Josh Allen and you sit back and take, you know, Austin Eckler and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Um, how do you approach your drafts differently when there's a, a tight end premium? Um, I, I feel like the standard right now is super flex, but um, tight end premium is sto- starting to kind of that super flex tight end premium is starting to kind of be the basis, um, at least in the Twitter realm. Yeah, I so the top tier guys move up a little bit for me. I pretty much view everybody else almost equally as I do in non-tight end premium. There's just not enough volume to the lower tier guys to really justify it. You know, you're you know you look at your guys like your your Mark Andrews, Travis Kels, uh, Darren Waller. Uh, I consider Dallas Goddard in that tier as well. Um, those guys, you know, they they move up a little bit for me. I'll take them a little bit earlier than I normally would. Um, but a lot of people there's still a lot of value to be had in tight end premium. Like I, I keep getting Noah Fant in the ninth or 10th round of tight end premium drafts. Yeah. I'll take that any day of the week. You know, he, he's going to give me some of those extra points there. Um, you know, we're, we're talking a guy who's getting 90 plus targets a year like that. That's the type of value you need. I think value volume that you need to move up any at all in, in the draft. And there's just so few tight ends who are pulling that level of, of, of volume that it just doesn't change too much for me. And if, if people are going to go crazy for tight end, again, I'm just going to capitalize on those wide receivers and running backs that are inevitably falling. Like, yeah, it's cool. But also, if you're starting Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller because it's a tight end premium league, and, and but then your wide receivers are Darnell Mooney and Brandon Cooks, like I'm doing just as well starting Jamar Chase. Uh, call it a Jamar Chase, a DJ Moore with a Dallas Goddard and a Mike Gesicki. Like right. I'm, I'm going to score, we're going to score very, very similar amounts of points, but my guys aren't on an age on an age cliff and yours are rapidly approaching that. So it, like, it doesn't really change too much for me. And I think people make the mistake of changing it too much. I think people target tight end a little bit too heavily because of that. Like I see Brevin Jordan going in the top like 11 rounds of drafts. And I'm like, you realize the guy had fucking 20 receptions last year. Like, <laughs> He got he barely played for the first half of the season. Once he started playing, he saw like four targets a game, had one game of seven targets. Like just generally speaking, the man just didn't get a lot. And and I don't like people are taking him early because he's a young tight end in, in a bad offense. Like that doesn't doesn't matter. Like if he's not a good player, he's not going to get 100 targets, which is what you need for that extra point and a half or extra half point, extra point whatever it ends up being to be worth it. Right. Yeah, I generally kind of give up on the tight end premium once that that final tier of kind of a fan, Gusecki, um, 
if you consider Dalton Schultz or or Dawson Knox in there. I um I definitely don't consider Knox in there, but with same um with Amari Cooper leaving, Schultz has definitely crawled up into that tier for me. Assuming assuming he resigns, I don't think he's resigned yet. No, he's just on the tag. But he will. Yeah. He'll he'll get an extension. That's why they let Cooper go. Yep. All right, we got a couple of trades that came in on Twitter. Um, if you want to send trades to me at Zach K Attack NFL, um, we will um, try to address them on the show. Um, so the first trade is give CMC and Mike Williams to get AJ Brown and Javante Williams. And for me, it's AJ. Brown and Javante Williams pretty easily here. For me, it's a little bit more team dependent. If I think I'm really close to to a championship, I might say I might like keep CMC and Mike Williams. But Javante has CMC level value right now. Like I would, I, I I'd have to go back and look, but I've done six startups this year, and I'd say in probably five of them Javante went before CMC which mm-hmm. I think is absurd first Absolutely. of all but you know just from a, a value perspective CMC ends up being a little bit of a better value there but also AJ Brown is eight nine tiers above Mike Williams for me right. as a wide receiver <laughs> like right. you're you're gaining so much at the wide receiver position that it, it definitely makes that trade very very close if I'm rebuilding I'm definitely taking Javante and and aj brown um but you know this is a tough one i think if you're in a position to compete though i might prefer the cmc side just because of how much of a game changer he really is yeah that's definitely understandable all right um next question is i am a little nervous about the jets adding a wide receiver in the draft and hurting dj Moore. legit or no if so what do you think a good return would be? I don't have a first rounder, so I would love to get a pick. Um, don't thought, trade him. Yeah, <laughs> don't trade him. Uh, people thought T. Higgins was going to suffer from Jamar Chase. That didn't happen. People thought Adam Thielen was going to suffer from Justin Jefferson. That didn't happen. People thought Amari Cooper was going to suffer from C.D. Lamb. That didn't happen. Like The impact of a wide receiver who's going to play a different role is a lot less than you think, right? If a guy is a, uh, if, uh, so this is actually a perfect example. People are talking about Amon Ross St. Brown a ton on Twitter today because DJ Chark signed. And they're saying that Chark is going to lower his, his targets and he's going to lower his upside, whatever. They play two completely different roles. Chark's the guy getting targets 20, 30 yards downfield where Amon Ross getting them within five or 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Like guys who are playing the same role, the plays are designed for those guys or this guy who's playing the shorter roles are going to be the check down. So even if, even if the Jets add a Traylon Burks, if they add a Chris Olave, if they add you know a Jamison Williams, a deep threat like that, Elijah Moore is still going to get his Elijah Moore targets. His his outlook changes almost none for me if they if they draft a wide receiver. That said, if you're that scared, I'm still not tanking anything lower than the 105. For if you offer me the 106 for Elijah Moore, I'm taking Elijah Moore. Absolutely. I need the 105 or higher if I'm even going to consider moving him. Yeah, I don't know that I'd move him for the 105. I would consider 104. Um, but Elijah Moore is just a um, – came on his rookie year and has rapport with 
his rookie quarterback or second year quarterback now who's just going to continue to get better their rapport is going to get better and some people are concerned that it's a lot of his production came when Zach Wilson wasn't on the field but just give it time those two will connect and um, Elijah Moore's good enough to where he's going to rise above it all you, you think Zach Wilson wasn't sitting there on the sidelines watching Elijah Moore eat and is like, I'm not going to throw to that guy. <laughs> He's only doing good because of Mike White, I'm sure. Yeah. It's just a bad argument, honestly. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not worried about Elijah Moore at all. And, and them adding a wide receiver, it, it changes my outlook none. It maybe drops Corey Davis out of late round. Like, I'll, I'll draft Corey Davis in the 14th, 15th round of a startup any day of the week. Probably not if they draft another wide receiver because <laughs> he's the one who's actually going to get hurt by it, not Elijah Moore. Agreed. All right, one last question here. Um, Watson or Hurts? This one's tough just because you have – sure, there's the concerns with Jalen Hurts that I think are wildly overstated about him as a passer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, again, it, it just comes down to where you look – like what metrics you look at, where you're looking. If you look on pro football reference, you know – Hertz was a top 10 quarterback by on target percentage and bad throw percentage, like the least amount of bad throws, the most, like some of the most on target throws in football. Whereas, but if you look at some other metrics, like it wasn't the same, which is why QB metrics are so skewed in a lot of different ways. And it's hard to really tell there. Watson's clearly the better passer though. We know this. That said, where does he go? Right. He's not going to play for Houston. Does he end up in New Orleans? Is They've been reported as the front runner. Does he end up with the Panthers, which is the best for his fantasy production? Because mm-hmm. you you're you giving him DJ Moore. You're giving him you know Robbie Anderson. You're giving him um, Terrace Marshall, yeah. CMC. Yeah. Like you're, you're giving him options there. Does he end up in Atlanta? There, there have been those rumors today. Like There's enough question marks that it's really hard to say. I think if, if you're looking in a vacuum and you're just looking at the two quarterbacks, you have to go Watson. But Hurts is a lot closer than a lot of people would like to admit. And that makes it pretty tough until we know where, where Watson's going. I'd lean hurts right now. If Watson ends up going somewhere and doesn't pull a huge suspension from the NFL, I, I got to go with Watson, unfortunately. Yeah. I think I would um, go Watson. I I'm your resident hurts truther. Um, if Adam's still on here watching, he knows that I've been, singing Jalen Hurts' praises for all of eternity. Last year during the NFL draft, somebody asked me, would you rather have Baker Mayfield as your NFL quarterback or Jalen Hurts? And I said Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. And, and the whole room, just their jaws dropped. And and now they're they're on board with me. They just had to, to learn the lesson. Um Unfortunately, though, I do think I would go Watson, even if he does have uh, a suspension. I I do think he just has the better um, fantasy upside. Um, he also has the job job stability. Once he does get a job, um, people just seem to not like Hurts, and so um, there is a tiny concern of his job security although um it doesn't it doesn't seem too too plausible to me um that hertz is going to lose a job and not get one again immediately um yeah it's 
Uh, it's one of those things where it's like really i mean honestly if you have either quarterback you're doing all right like if you have jalen hurts you're you're fine if you have watson you're fine i would argue though right now especially if you're if we're talking a pure trade you might be able to get somebody to add a little bit on top of deshaun watson for jalen hurts and and if that's the case if i'm getting like a second or like a 23 third for you know on top of watson for hurts i'm doing it and i love you and i would I love rostering Jalen Hurts. Don't get me wrong, um, but you got to take the value there. That's all it Absolutely. is. Absolutely. All right. I think that's gonna wrap it up for the first episode of Dynasty Never Rest. Um, Jake, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Perry underscore FF. Um, you can also find my articles at JWB Fantasy Football. You can uh, they post them on Twitter as well uh, at JWB underscore FF. And you can listen to my personal podcast, which is at Two Average Husbands, the number two ABG Husbands. You can find us on Twitter, and our podcast is posted on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. All righty. Well, thank you guys for listening to the first ever episode of Dynasty Never Rest. Um, We will catch you later, and thanks again. Thank you.